0: Liz Dyer is gonna come and speak. Liz, I've got this ready for you. Liz is the founder of the largest Facebook group that supports moms who are (coughs) supporting their LGBTQ kids. Often these moms are in either uh, conservative cultural areas or religiously cultural areas, so they need extra support in being awesome allies to their children, which every child deserves, Um, and so, Uh, Liz is like um, she's very much a pioneer in I think a movement that has significant potential to literally change the world Um, because when moms gather in this way and they support each other, they tap into the best of their humanity and the divine spirit starts rushing through them and they they're on a learning ter- ter- uh, curve together, and Liz is like just out of the goodness of her heart. She has a full-time job, but as, a, as an administrator and, and doing something else, and she just is pouring her life into life's work into this. She spoke last year. I want to especially uh, there's a card on the back table with Liz's information, Realmamabears.org is a kind of like the umbrella website for all the different things that Liz is doing and the mama bears are doing all the different groups and it's also a chance I'm, I'm going to do this a chance to uh, support the work financially because it's expanding so much there are costs involved and and it's like give two dollars a month or five dollars a month or Ten dollars a month, so i'd super encourage Blue ocean people to do that and you can find out about that on that uh, website realmamabears.org dot org for which there is a card. Liz Dyer. We feel very good that you 're here. I'm excited. Can you feel in love
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Ken. <laughs> you always brag on me so much. It's kind of almost uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, I'm really excited to be here today and I appreciate the invitation. Um, I know I've said it to some of you individually and I said it when I was here last year, but it is worth repeating. I'm so thankful for your faith community, um, for the radical hospitality and unconditional love of Jesus that you demonstrate and for the way you fully embrace, and include, and celebrate LGBTQ people in your community. So meaningful to me, and to my family, and to families like mine. Uh, So many of us have been uh, hurt, or rejected, or felt out of place at churches that we poured our lives into for so many years. And uh, so it's just encouraging and very hopeful for us to know about faith communities like yours. Uh, So it's just an honor to be connected with you, uh, to come and visit with you, and to get to know you, and um, I'm just so grateful. Uh, Today I wanna share a little bit about my story, and um, then I kinda wanna um, put the highlight on something that I discovered in my own process of becoming affirming that was very helpful to me and kind of gave me the confidence and the passion that I needed to do the kind of work that I feel like I'm being called to do. And I think it can help anybody who wants to be a uh, passionate, confident, Christian ally for LGBTQ people. and I think it can help you in other ways too, so I'm, I'm really excited to share this with you today. I come from a conservative background, I uh, grew up in going to Southern Baptist churches. And uh, my husband and I raised our two sons uh, in Southern Baptist churches. So when my oldest son came out uh, as gay at 19 years old when he was away at college, it kind of shook up our world, and I'm sure some of you here can um, relate to that. Um, because it sent us on a long journey and a process to try to figure out what we believed, why we believed it, and how we should be responding. Uh, Now we came out on the other uh, side of that process as fully affirming of LGBTQ people and for the full inclusion of LGBTQ people in faith communities. Um, But, um, you know, it was not short and smooth um it was i'd like to tell you that from day one it was all uphill (laughs) and we didn't make any mistakes and it went by very quickly but that isn't the truth we did make mistakes um we were kind of stumbling around in the dark a little bit there wasn't a lot of resources around back then that was more than 13 years ago and um but our son was gracious and he always wanted to have a relationship with us The whole time we were going through that process. And today we have a really good relationship with him. And um, so everything went okay. But you know, as I looked back on that, I could see there was a potential that things could have gone really poorly. Um, You know, um, maybe my son. Couldn't have been as gracious. You know, maybe he would have been too wounded um, And maybe it would have harmed our relationship more. So I really had this desire to help other families like mine and um, So people you know, you get that word out there and people start sending people to you. So uh, Christian parents with gay and lesbian and transgender kids who were coming out were being sent to me and my husband and we were just trying to help them know you don't have to choose between your Christian faith and affirming and celebrating your LGBTQ kids. Um, Eventually, a few years into doing that, I started a blog because I wanted to reach more people. And then in 2014, I got this idea that I wanted to start a private Facebook for moms of LGBTQ kids. I really like connecting with moms a lot, with other women. I had led women's ministry in the Southern Baptist churches that I'd come from. And uh, so I thought it was a a good niche for me. There were other people out there that had Facebook groups for moms of LGBTQ kids, but you know, I had some unique things that I kind of wanted to bring to the table. So I thought, well, it's just a Facebook group. Why not give it a try? (laughs) So we started with less than 200 moms. And I had this dream, And I only told it to a few people, but what I really wanted was to get a community of moms together that would um, get really passionate about being allies and advocates for their kids and then want to change the world for all LGBTQ people. And I'm excited because today I think that dream is coming true. That one group that we started with less than 200 moms now has more than 7,500 moms in it. And as uh, Ken mentioned, we have a whole network of groups and special projects and resources and websites that are all dedicated to supporting and educating and empowering moms of LGBTQ kids and the LGBTQ community. So I'm really proud of that work we're doing. The moms are doing amazing things, they're starting their own organizations, they're writing books. They're speaking at political rallies. They're starting groups in their churches, leading up P flag chapters. They go to their local schools to make sure there's GSAs there, Gay-Straight Alliances, because uh, LGBTQ students who are at schools with uh, Gay-Straight Alliance clubs are bullied less, and they're um, uh, more whole and healthy emotionally. So they're doing great work, and I'm really excited about that. Now, before we get to much into what I want to tell you about today. I want to make one thing clear. I did not become affirming in spite of my faith. My Christian faith led me to the conclusion that the right thing to do, the just thing to do, the godly thing to do, the Jesus thing to do, would be to fully affirm and celebrate LGBTQ people. And the reason I want to make that clear is because Contrary to what a lot of people have accused me of and sometimes say, I don't think that most Christian parents of LGBTQ kids throw the Bible out the minute their kid comes out. I don't think they walk away from their faith typically the minute their kid comes out. Um, I like what my friend Sarah Cunningham says. She says, no one has searched the heart of God Are the scriptures are themselves more than LGBTQ Christians Are their Christian parents. And I think that's really true and I know I did that. Uh, One of the first things I did after my son uh, came out is I wanted to know what does the Bible say? And uh, I think a lot of Christian parents do that. And so I went and I looked and I have to say I was kind of disappointed. I was expecting to find an ironclad, black and white answer in scripture. Something that said, uh, Nick, my son, should not fall in love with someone of the same sex and get married and have a family. (laughs) That's not gonna work. But there was nothing there that talked about that kind of relationship. There was no uh, scripture, verse, or passage that talked about and said that a transgender person should not transition into their uh, true gender identity. Um, I couldn't find anything there. And that was a little disappointing because I come from a tradition that values certainty. And I, you know, wanted that certain answer. Um, Thankfully, I've moved past that now. But I'm sure some of you can relate to that desire. But what was great is that I did find something in the Bible that I thought was very ironclad and helped me get over that bump in the road of not being sure what God wanted me to do, not being sure of how God wanted me to respond to the fact that I had a gay son who wanted to live authentically, who had already come to terms for himself that it was okay for him to be gay and to have a same-sex relationship. And where I found that was in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, now, have you guys read the Sermon on the Mount recently? (laughs) I mean, that thing is amazing. It really (laughs) covers a lot of ground. Um, I mean, of course, I'm speculating. But it seems to me that Jesus was just waiting for an opportunity to talk about a whole lot of things. I mean, I bet he was saving up a lot of questions that people were asking him that he wanted to respond to. uh, Because, I mean, like, the Beatitudes, boom. Prayer, boom. Boom adultery, boom. Um, he just went on and on and on. And, um, what we're going to look at today is something that he said towards the end of that, uh, sermon on the Mount in, uh, Matthew 7. Yes, it does go on for three chapters. That sermon does. Um, and, um, We're going to look at that because that's what I discovered that really helped me. One thing I love about the way that Jesus taught is that he was a master at using metaphors and illustrations. Um, The lost coin, the camel through the eye of a needle. the potter and the clay, I mean, he really knew how to use an illustration to help you understand what he wanted you to learn, to uh, take in. And the other great thing about a metaphor and illustration, it helps us retain something. It helps us remember it because we get a picture in our mind. And Jesus was great at that. And he uses a great illustration for the lesson that he wants to teach us in Matthew 7. It starts in uh, verse 16. And, um, At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we hear that Jesus looked around and he saw the crowds and he walked up on this mountainside and he sat down and he started to teach. And uh, he taught for a long time, like I said, about many things. And then towards the end, he kind of starts wrapping things up. And I'm thinking when you get to these verses uh, around Matthew 7, verse 16, I'm I'm imagining that Jesus is thinking, um, well, I can't cover everything here. And people are gonna have questions all throughout time. So I wanna help them learn something that will um, assist them when they need to be discerning about some theological point, some teacher. Uh, some way to live out their faith. See, there were a lot of rabbis and uh, prophets and teachers roaming around like Jesus, and they were teaching many things. Some of them were even teaching against what Jesus was teaching. And instead of naming names or getting in a big debate, Jesus said, here's what you can do. If you want to um, have discernment about who to follow, uh, what teaching to embrace, and how to live out your faith. And he says in verse 16, he said, he's talking about how to identify false prophets. And he says, you will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or fixed from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Boy, I was excited when I found that. Because one thing I had already recognized by the time I discovered that is that the fruit of non-affirming theology was not good. I was meeting LGBTQ Christians and families with LGBTQ kids and Living under the burden of non-affirming theology was producing a lot of bad results in people's lives. There was despair and depression and hopelessness and suicidal ideation and self-loathing. And it was tearing families apart too. I really was not finding anything good coming out of non-affirming theology. And that was very surprising to me because um, I always believed that if you were following in God's will, it would make you more healthy and more whole, not more broken. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think good theology is gonna solve every problem you have. It's not going to make you perfectly healthy and whole. Um, you're still going to have problems, you're still going to be sick at times, but it's not going to, ma- good is not going to make you more broken. It's going to make things better for you, and it's certainly not supposed to produce self-hate, self-harm, self-loathing. Um, I don't think anybody on either side of this argument this discussion, this conversation would argue that those things, self-hate, self-loathing, self-harm, I don't think anybody would argue that those are good fruit. So I was excited when I found this because I felt like it gave me a formula that I could really apply to these questions that I was trying to ask, and so I did. And today, I would say that I don't have any questions or doubts. It doesn't matter what book you throw at me, it doesn't matter what scripture you throw at me, what sermon, what church, uh, what Facebook group, I feel completely confident that affirming LGBTQ theology is the right and godly position to take. I love it when people say to me, well, show me a Bible verse. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you this Bible verse. Because all the other Bible verses that people try to show on this, they don't support or condemn LGBTQ uh, full inclusion and affirmation and, and um, celebration. But this verse does, this passage does. Because, you know, the truth is we can all find a Bible verse, we can cherry pick, we can take it out of context, we can make it say more or less than what it says, but the fruit doesn't lie. Yeah. The fruit doesn't lie. But we can all find a church, a community, a Facebook group that will think like we do and support us in our position. But the fruit doesn't lie. We can't manipulate that. We can't control what the fruit of this theology that we're embracing and living into is producing. Um, Jesus was telling us that. You know, don't be deceived. No matter how good the argument, no matter what they point to, and I will tell you, I, I listen to a lot of the opposition, and there are some good arguments on the other side, that I don't agree with about clobber verses, some of you may hear those from maybe friends or extended family members, and I know what it's like to have these toxic messages of shame rum- rumbling around in your head and making you doubt if you've come to the right conclusion. But the bottom line is, look at the fruit; the fruit doesn't lie. You cannot manipulate that. Um. I mentioned that I know a lot of uh, LGBTQ Christians who have been harmed by uh, non-affirming theology. I also know a lot of LGBTQ Christians who are thriving because they're embracing affirming theology, especially if they're with communities that are embracing um, um, affirming uh, LGBTQ theology. Um, I wanna read something to you. It was written by a young um, uh, man uh, who is a gay Christian um, quite a few years ago. I don't think he's blogging anymore, but his blog is still available online. His name is Ben Moberg, and his um, bl- name of his blog was Registered Run Away. And um, I know him, and I know his mom. In fact, I just saw her recently when I was in Colorado, so that was... Um, very nice and wonderful, because that's the first time I'd ever met her in person. Um, And um, Ben grew up under the burden of non-affirming theology. And uh, for many, many years, like so many LGBTQ people, he knew he was gay. His family didn't know and his friends didn't know, but he knew. And it was a really heavy, hard burden to carry. And uh, Ben it was good enough that, um, you know, he wrote out um, what it was like to live under that burden. And he also was good enough to contrast it and write out what it was like to live into affirming theology. And that's what I want to read you today is something that he wrote. Um, it was from a post he called um, For the Closeted Ones. And um, I just think it's so important that we understand what the impact is of these different theologies and and the extreme contrast because I think when we start to understand this contrast and and hear these stories that it helps us um, be confident and passionate about um, the full inclusion and celebration and affirmation of LGBTQ people. So Ben says, uh, he's writing to other people that are in the closet, he's out now. And he says, maybe you heard it first at age nine from the front row pew. Your pastor said it in 10 seconds and it felt like hell and hate hurling down upon you. Maybe you heard it in the car with James Dobson declaring to the nation, to your family, that perverts like you don't get to have God Maybe you heard it in everything that went unsaid. Maybe you opened the book and saw six or so verses with their crushing words, leaving your soul cracked wide open. Maybe you read them with a lump in your throat and tears down your face and trembling hands, and maybe a part of you died. But the message was received loud and clear. You cannot be known because you cannot be loved. You will not be welcomed, you will not be saved, you will lose everyone you care about, you will be thrown away. So you ran backwards, you receded down deep, you laid thick bricks all around you to keep everyone out because you believed it was all true and you believed that hiding was the protection that you needed. For me, for a long time, I believed those things too. I believed God could care less I believed that the only way I would be loved and get my pardon from hell was to be straight. I believed that sometime long before memory, maybe as a toddler, I must have chosen to be gay because that's what the church folk told me. This is merely a matter of choice. I believed it fully in my decaying heart until late one night at my very lowest point, he told me something different. It was 1 a.m. and I was below the stars, wrapped in the backyard hammock. I was hyperventilating and it was violent. Cries were choked out and breath was cut short and I was past all hope. I asked him how his people, his followers, his body could be so cruel and tough and severe. Why are you like that? Why do you say that you're on their side? Why am I even here? Why can't I be your child? Why won't you take me? I threw wild swings in the dark, imagining his face was right in front of me. I knew he was there, I believed it, but I was completely convinced that he didn't care one bit about me. I thought he hated me and I was all past hope. But in the middle of the madness, in the swinging and the cursing, a sudden seam was stitched, a bridge was built between my before and my after. A moment changed everything forever for me. It came quietly like the first raindrops of rain, gentle and cool. It was just five words and they were the sweetest words that were ever spoken to me. I am not like them. I was struck and lulled and captivated all at once. I lost my breath and my arms fell limp to the grass below. I placed my hands over my heart. I squeezed my eyes shut and I listened to those words echo through my soul reverberating over and over again and again Until it matched the rhythm of my returning heartbeat. I am not like them. I am not like them. I am not like them The great I am heard me he saw me he spoke to me he came to me The great I am is not like them The cries and moans within me didn't cease, but they came from a different place now, a source of pure joy and adoration and peace. And even now, I hang on to this memory with all that I have because it's all that I need. I am his love. I am his joy. He likes me. He loves me. And he saved me. He reached out and he wrapped his big arms around me. And it was like he had waited forever for this. He loves me and he loves you too, whether you believe it or not, it's true. And I believe more than anything he wants you to know because God is not straight and God is not gay and God is not trans, he's above all labels, he's beyond that, he's only love. He's the head over heels, can't shut up about it love. He feels this for me and he feels this for you and he's waiting, he's desperate. He wants you to grasp that, and then maybe to grasp him. See the difference that Ben wrote about? The crushing devastation of non-affirming theology that he was living under. And then the life-giving, the joy-filled, the love-based affirming theology that he embraced, that he came to know. Now some of you may not hear the voice of God telling you that, but you can hear it in this community from these people. You can hear it from people like me and mama bears all over the country that want to tell you that God loves you just the way you are. Uh, I had someone recently that asked me if I had a study that I could present to them to prove my theory that non-affirming theology (laughs) produces bad fruit in the life of those that embrace it. And I wanna be clear, non-affirming theology includes celibacy-affirming theology. Anything that excludes or puts special restrictions on LGBTQ people. And I said to them with a little bit of a chuckle, I don't need a study, I got something better. I've got stories from hundreds of LGBTQ Christians, from hundreds of LGBTQ Christian, I mean families with LGBTQ kids in their family, and their stories that affirm my theory. If you want to study, go out and get to know people. Make real connections with real people, listen to their stories, do life with them. There's your study. I'm gonna close with just a few more words from Ben, that all of us, no matter what our gender identity or our sexual orientation can take in today and take home with us, that will give us life and joy and goodness and good fruit. Listen, Ben says, if you're gonna hear anything from me today, hear this, God loves you, he loves you. He loves you. Yeah. Go ahead and say it out loud. He loves me. He loves you. So rest and rejoice in his love because he loves you. Amen. Thank you. Amen.